All right, our study today is Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So we'll read our section of scripture here before we begin. So Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. So here in in verse 2, we're transitioning from the prophet. He's asking these questions um, to God. He's speaking to God. And then in verse 1, he prepares himself for the answer of God. And then God answers or begins his answer in verses 2 and 3. So we'll start with verse 1. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. So in this first section of verse 1, the prophet is describing himself um, in a military sense, in a uh, guard. He mentions himself on the guard post. Um, we, as Christians as well, should be on guard and, and look to God with this mindset of being at the ready. Um, we have uh, Christ telling us to do this in Luke 21. Luke chapter 21 Verses 34 to 35. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. So here Christ is teaching that we should be on guard, always on guard for the day. We, we don't know when the day, the second coming of Christ will come. We don't know when um, the, his word will come to pass, uh, when our own days will be ended. Um, so we should always be on guard, always ready um, for the word of God. And also in another way we should be on guard is in First Peter First Peter chapter five, verse eight. First Peter five, eight. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking some seeking someone to devour. So in another sense it says be on the alert. So we are to be on guard against sin. Um, around us in our own life, um, from the devil himself. Um, So we are to be on guard both in the anticipation of God's promises against sin. Um, There are several ways in which we are to be on guard. So back in Habakkuk 2 verse 1, the apostle, or excuse me, the prophet continues, and station myself on the rampart. So Habakkuk is looking at himself in a military sense that 
um, not only being on the guard post, but the rampart is like a siege work, uh, something, an implement used for war. So that, that also should tell us that war in and of itself and that idea of war is not something that is in and of itself sinful, as some people claim, but the, the war and being um, ready, uh, ready to defend one's faith, um, ready to defend the gospel, that should be our mindset um, every day of our life. Uh, the most uh, extensive examples in Ephesians chapter 6, Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you all you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So as we approach the gospel, our lives, um, we should have this military mindset to um, defend the gospel, as it says here, to equip ourselves with the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Um, this um, concept should not be uh, foreign to our minds or something that we don't understand uh, how we should be using the word of God and how we should be ready in the Christian life. So further uh, continuing in verse one, uh, the second half of the verse, Habakkuk continues. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. So Habakkuk is seeking, he's keeping watch, again, using the same um, military analogy. He's keeping watch, but he's keeping watch for the word of God. So we should be um, eager, we should be diligent, we should be, um, looking towards what God has to say as something to be on the alert for. So here, God is speaking directly to the prophet, but we know that we should be the same way with, our, with the scriptures, the Holy Scripture. That is um, how we know what the will of God is. Uh, in Acts 17.11, he speaks this way of the Bereans. Acts 17, 11. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, 
For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So in the same way as Habakkuk is eagerly waiting, awaiting the word of God, um, the Bereans are doing the same. They want to see what the word of God um, has to say and examining um, all things around them, all things in their life to the word of God. Um, Some other uh, cross-references that speak of seeking God in this way, um, we have Proverbs 8. Um, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. And it says, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. So here the I is the proverbial wisdom, um, which is God's word. God is, God is um, wisdom. And he's equating those who are loving God to those who are seeking him diligently. Again, having that mindset of examining scripture and being eager and seeking what God has to say on a matter. Um, Further in Psalm 42. Psalm 42 verses one to four. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival." So in this um, paragraph of the psalm, he describes himself as one who's a deer panting or his soul thirsting. These are all words that describe um, the action of longing for God um, and how we get to know God is through his word. So it's um, expected throughout scripture and here in Habakkuk, it's no different um, that character of the man of God is seeking to know what God is going to say. Further in verse 1, the final uh, clause here, it says, and how I may reply when I am reproved. So there's two ways to read this verse. Um, one is that the reproof that the Um, prophet is expecting a reproof from God uh, based off of his his questions. Um, Say in Habakkuk 1.12, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Um, uh, Further in verse 13, on those, um, why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? So he's asking these questions of God. 
And it, it could be that he's expecting some reproof from God. Um, and it, it's not foreign to scripture. We know in the proverb that the wise man, the godly man, um, seeks for reproof. He understands that that wisdom is found in these things. Um, a few examples of that would be, we can start in Proverbs uh, 3. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So again, a reproof from God is something to be treasured because it's evidence that the Lord loves you and that the Lord considers you to be his son. Uh, further in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7. Proverbs 10, 7. The memory of the righteous is blessed. Oh, excuse me. I don't believe that is the correct reference. Um, 12, 1. Yes. Excuse me. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. So here again, the um, the discipline is evidence of knowledge, and the one who does not accept the reproof of God is a stupid man. Because um, this is where true wisdom is, and like we saw in the previous proverb, that the reproof of God is something that is a fruit or evidence that God, you have found favor with God to um, undergo the reproof of God. But um, returning back to Habakkuk 2, verse 1, the, that last clause again. So the other way to read it is that the prophet is seeking the word of God so that he knows how to reply to those who were reproving him, meaning his enemies, how he should use the word of God to defend um, righteousness, to defend the gospel, uh, which is also true in Scripture in Second Timothy three, verses sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So this is what Paul is teaching, that the word of God, which is what Habakkuk is expecting here, is something that will be for reproof. One of its purposes is for reproof, for those who are... Um, against God, for those who are contradicting God. This is one of the main purposes to, and it also is something that will humble the enemies. So either um, way to read this, it doesn't contradict Scripture. One of the other evidences for the latter point in that the prophet is seeking the word of God to reprove his enemies is that then when God does speak in the later verses, 
there is no um, reproof for the prophet. Um, so then, based off of what God is saying, that that might be the more accurate uh, interpretation. So continuing in Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, on to verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. So the Lord is answering the prophet and he's instructing the prophet to record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. So this is an evidence that when the prophets wrote and when the apostles wrote, that what they, they knew what they were writing was scripture. They knew that God was imparting to them something that should be written down, knowing that it is the word of God. Um, we also see this in the New Testament in Second Peter. Second Peter 3. Uh, verse 15. It reads, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. So Peter understands, this isn't also Paul speaking on his own behalf, but Peter understands that Paul was given wisdom. And this wisdom would be from God. He, he knows that what he is teaching is... <laughs> From God, it is Holy Scripture. Words um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's not as if um, these things were added later to make the Bible. But in the moment, these prophets knew what they were writing was Scripture. As it explicitly says here, the Lord is telling Habakkuk to write these words down. And that the Lord is speaking directly to him. Just as Moses with the Ten Commandments. They're being inscribed directly from the Word of God. Um, it also reads, um, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. So the word of God also is written down so that we may read it and that it will, um, instigate or the fruit of reading it should be an action that the one who reads it may run. That doesn't mean that the one who reads it just then sits there and does nothing. It creates an action, may run. Um, in the footnote of your um, Bible, it would also give the alternate translation of is to proclaim it. So whether it be running or it is to proclaim it, to read it, and then to tell others what you have read, knowing that it is the words of God, um, both are actions. Both are something that God is telling you. You must write it down and then so that the one who reads it may proclaim it. We see this in other um, sections of Scripture, especially in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. 
Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So this is the explanation of why the scripture is written. Again, it's so that we can be taught. It's for our instruction. There's an action at the end of reading the word of God. It's not merely a change of your mind, but it's a change of your actions. Um, further in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. So here again, uh, Paul is telling them that this letter is written for then you, you to then go share it with others. Um, and that it's not written solely for one person or one city or one culture, but it is universal truth that should be shared. So the Colossians share it with the Laodiceans and read the letter that he wrote from the Laodiceans because it applies to you all as well. And then further in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 to 20. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So specifically here in verse 19, Christ is telling John that he needs to write these things so that um, they can be explained further to the churches. Um, and it's important that he, he do this because this is how we now have this book of Revelation to help explain further the gospel, to instruct us in what Christ um, is saying. So then we have it here that the word then leads to an action that is for our instruction, that it's teaching us things that are universal, but also the alternate translation says to proclaim it, so to speak it. So we hear it, we read it, and we understand it, we believe it, and then we speak it. That's a fruit that we believe what God is writing here. This is um, spoken of in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly, wis 
excuse me, and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So these words that he has written here for them to do is he's telling them to speak and exhort and to reprove. So we are to speak this word. We are to proclaim this word once we have it written down. That's how we edify one another to good deeds. Um, and that, it, that in and of itself, it is a good deed. Because he's speaking here at the verse, end of verse 14, um, his own possession zealous for good deeds and the first good deed would be to preach the gospel further in second corinthians 4 second corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 <clears throat> reads, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. So as we read the word of God, to then go proclaim it is a fruit that we believe it. And that's what in Habakkuk 2, that's what God is expecting also of the prophet. If you believe the words that you're writing, if you're believing the words of God, then you will go proclaim it and you will act on it. It produces a fruit, something that you can't see. So, continuing in Habakkuk, uh, we now come to verse 3. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not delay. So the first clause in verse 3, for the vision is yet for the appointed time, is an example that in, in God's timing, um, his word will come to pass. But though, though it may seem like a long time to us, there is an appointed time, both for any any prophecy that God has given, and especially the prophecy of His second coming. Um, another example of this is in Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three, verses three to Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the, wor the world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. 
But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So here it's explaining that God, time is um, not the same for God as it is for us. We don't understand time according to God since God has created time. And God is not slow you know, as some count slowness, or even fault finders of God may say that God is too quick in his uh, judgment or the fulfillment of his prophecies, and that we should not be um, one of those who fault finds God, but understand that there's an appointed time and that God has ordained this um, to come about, and that it will come about. Um, he's a, But he prefaces this vision um, that it is for an appointed time. So it will come, it has its time, and it's not for us to speculate uh, when that is. Um, the next clause of verse 3, it hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Again, God is saying his word will not fail. It, it's um, unnecessary for God to say that because God is God and he doesn't need to explain that his word will not fail. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. But he does this for our own benefit to further encourage us and give us more assurance. Um, he says the same thing in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So here God is explaining that his word is unchangeable and his oath is unchangeable, just as his promise here that the word will come to pass and we know that his word will come to pass. Those are two unchangeable things, but it is for our benefit um, to encourage us and give us hope. Continuing in verse 3. Um, Though it tarries, wait for it. So tarries is a word um, that means delay, um, that we should wait for it. So even though it's not immediately here presented for us, that we should be longing and waiting for this vision, for this vision mentioned at the beginning of the verse. So it's often shown to us, especially in the New Testament, that we should be waiting for the day of the Lord, being 
preparing ourselves, looking towards it, um, no matter what's going on in our lives. Uh, some examples of this are in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they, did, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now why the bridegroom? While the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us, and you two go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. So Christ is explaining here that we should be on the alert, meaning... So if we are waiting for the word of God, we're going to be anticipating these things. We're going to be looking um, for that time. And that um, is evidence, or another way of saying that is to wait. We're waiting for this vision um, that Habakkuk is talking about to come to pass. Um, This is also true. Um, Again, all these references are speaking of the second coming of Christ, right? The the day of judgment. <clears throat> but this is also the same of in the Old Testament, that these prophets were seeking and looking towards the same thing. Uh, we see this in Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The the mind of the believer on that day says, and it will be said in that day, that they have waited for God. We should be waiting for God that that is an evidence that our hope is laid up in that day um, and that we should be rejoicing and be glad in his salvation. That is the day of salvation. Uh, Further, there's another example in the Old Testament of this same thing. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up as a witness. Indeed, my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, 
all my burning anger. For all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. So God here is again telling the prophet to wait, wait for me. And he's waiting for the day when Christ rises up as a witness that he his he has a burning anger and the earth is devoured by the fire of my zeal. So as we see, we have evidence both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the apostles and the prophets are speaking the same way of this day. Um, here, this what's mentioned is this vision. So verse 3, Habakkuk 2.3, is um, referenced and by the apostle in Hebrews 10.37. So we go to Hebrews 10.37. It's quoted in this chapter. Hebrews 10.37 For yet in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. So one reading closely though the words are basically the same except for in Hebrews 10.37 it says it's rendered he whereas in Habakkuk 2 um, chapter 2 verse 3 it's rendered it. The it is referring is referring to this vision. Um, the based off of the apostolic interpretation, we know that this is accurate. We know that we can rely on this. That it's rendered he because he's using it to refer to Christ. And just as we saw in both Isaiah and Zephaniah, it's not a new doctrine to preach that the Old Testament Christians were looking to the second coming of Christ. And this is what's happening here. And we're made sure of that because of the apostolic interpretation. Um, further, the, the word would be rendered it, but it, it is a masculine uh, noun and verb used in verse 3. So the, the translators... Um, should have rendered it he just as it's rendered he in the New Testament. Um, and thankfully we have this here written for us. Um, again, God writes these things so that we can be made more sure um, in his word. So Habakkuk, this vision that he has for the appointed time, that it will not fail and that we should wait for it, is the second coming of Christ, the day of our salvation, knowing um, that this is our hope, this is where our hope is laid up. So we should be on guard and living in that way, um, preparing uh, just as the prophet was being on guard and seeking to um, understand and to know what God was speaking um, in his word. Amen.